Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and pop culture collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zandbergen. Welcome to our show of dream chasers and wealth makers. We are thrilled to be back in the studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about sharing what they have learned and what you need to know today. And happy to have on the show today, Ben Sorensen. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bart. Of course. So Tish and I are here and we're starting our series on behavioral finance. Uh, ben, we had the uh, honor of seeing in action at a recent Schwab conference. We were so impressed that we reached out and uh, Ben, thanks for taking the, uh, the time to talk with us today. Yeah, I'm honored. Looking forward to the conversation. Great. Well, let's start the conversation. Uh, make it all about you. Tell us about your uh, background, uh, specifically <laughs> like, like your military or leadership training. Um, so the audience has like, an idea of who we are talking to. Sure thing. Well, I, I don't know if it's I can't say focused on one thing or just a lot of different passions and interests. Um, so uh, have um, kind of pursued different things in my life. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, military, I've been in the Navy Reserves uh, for going on 15 years. I'm an intelligence officer in the Navy Reserves, uh, worked at the Pentagon for about five years, and now I'm stationed at U.S. Southern Command, which is in Doral, uh, Florida, uh, nice. for about 20 years. Yeah, um, about 20 years I've run a leadership training, executive coaching uh, firm and just a small, small organization and work with leaders around the world to help them grow, develop, improve. Um, and then I'm also a Presbyterian minister. So uh, in that capacity, I serve as a police chaplain for the Hollywood, Florida Police Department and um, periodically uh, preach at, at different churches around. So those are some of the big buckets, uh, yep. aside from family life, being married with two little girls. So it sounds like with that kind of a schedule, you have a lot of free time, Ben. What? Uh... <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of time on the couch eating Cheetos. Uh, <laughs> yeah, spend yeah. My time. Your classic underachiever. That's that's pretty obvious. Definitely someone who's making influences in a lot of people's lives, though. So, um, Bart, I think we should just jump right in and ask yeah. some really great questions. How about? Does that sound good? Yeah. Why don't you go? Okay. So something that Bart and I. Um, talked about uh, when we were just really drawn into your, your conversation is I think the, some of the basics, like how do we make decisions? And with the current market that we're in right now, people are making a lot of decisions, not necessarily for the, for the let's say, fundamental right reasons. And so we our whole goal is to kind of peel the onion back and ask a really basic question on in society, how do we make decisions? Yeah, Tish, it's, yeah, it's a great question. I think it's so important in my experience working with executives, working with financial advisors, but also on the military side and the police side. Cognitively, what happens when we make decisions, how we make decisions, decisions really matters. So I think it's important for all of us to understand kind of that cognitive process. So there's basically two parts of your brain that uh, implement and impact decision making. The limbic system and the neocortex. The limbic system is more kind of our reactive, oftentimes called caveman or cavewoman brain. A lot of our instincts, emotions are housed in the, in the limbic system. 
Alternatively, the neocortex, it's part of the frontal lobe. It's more rational, logical part of our brain. A lot of our long-term decision-making happens there. Uh, a lot of our kind of risk analysis happens there. Limbic and neocortex, two parts of brain, but the limbic is much more kind of from a evolutionary standpoint, it's much more favored. So it's bigger, it has more gray matter, it gets information first uh, before the neocortex. So as a result, we are all wired limbically. As a result of that, we can have some significant downside when we're making strategic financial decisions, when we're thinking about our career, um, and even when we're having discussions with a significant other. By leveraging the limbic or being kind of empowered by the limbic, oftentimes we're gonna make more short-sighted uh, decisions. We're gonna be more reactive, instinctual because it's more hardwired towards survival. So one of the things I really work on with leaders uh, in the military and otherwise is how we can maximize our neocortex thinking. So what's it, what's one example on how we can utilize that? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, one of the big pieces is understanding for, for one, uh, our creativity is significantly reduced in the limbic. So, one of the main reasons we want to operate more in the neocortex. So how can do we, we do that? One of the important pieces is understanding uh, what's called self-talk or how we're kind of interpreting information and events in our lives. And one, I, I created kind of a, just a simple acronym, Tish, uh, for me to help me remember and hopefully others. It's AAA, AAA around self-talk, three A's. So first A is aware. Be aware of what you're saying to yourself. Be aware of how you're responding cognitively, whether it's limbic or neocortex in what's going on what just happened second a is assess what's what you're saying to yourself and the third a is adjust you want to be able to adjust and tweak your self-talk so that you operate more in the neocortex i love that you know and we we talked kind of in prep for this ben we and you made an example of exercising um you know one part of the brain <clears throat> you know you know, all three of us on this call are very active and in gym stuff, and that's exercising our body yep. and physical fitness. Um, and so give some examples of maybe exercising. Now that would be the, the just so I'm clear, is that exercising the neocortex? Exactly, Bart, okay. exactly. That's where the research basically shows the, the part of your brain you spend more time in grows and the synaptic connection grows and so forth. So if you have one part of the brain you wanna spend more time in, I would encourage it, you know, make it the neocortex. Uh, which part of the brain do we feed more, as it were, from an exercise standpoint? So how can we do that? It's by one, the self-talk piece is very helpful. Another tool that's really helpful is breath work. A lot of practices, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's exercising, really value breath work. And breath work basically helps us move into and stay in the neocortex. If you ever watch like a WNBA game, uh, WNBA player is fouled when, when she goes up for, for a shot or layup. She goes to the free throw line, which one of the first things she's going to do. She's going to take a deep breath. Not necessarily because she's thinking about limbic and neocortex, but she is trying to get more into the neocortex. And a deep breath, just a four-count breath in through the nose, four-count breath out through the mouth, will help move you into the neocortex because when the body senses deep breaths, what that relays to the body is, hey, for the moment we are safe, we are not threatened, we're not running away from something that's gonna hurt us. As a result, the body then adjusts its hormone levels and leads you to more neocortex functioning, thus growing, exercising the neocortex more. 
So this is it, huge. It is, right? Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but no, this no, no, is no. huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, it Self-talk is. and breathing makes a huge difference in being able to like shift your mood, shift the way that you're thinking, shift the, you maybe even, would you say the results? Absolutely. Absolutely. The research shows greater neocortex functioning. The more you spend time there, the more creative you are, the better financial decisions you make. A lot I like of, that. Yep. A lot of research shows when you're operating in the limbic, you tend to make poor financial decisions, poor investing decisions. And then I, I was also just talking to someone the other day and we were talking about smoking. One of the um, kind of uh, draws that people have when they smoke is that relaxation. They feel more relaxed or calm. One of the reasons why they might feel more calm is because they're taking these deep breaths. If you think about it, when people are smoking, you're taking deep breaths and it yeah. has this relaxing effect. So what I would encourage folks to do is that deep breath, that relaxation to some degree can really be achieved uh, without the cigarette. And, and that's an opportunity yeah. for, for us all, especially people who might smoke. Hey, Bart, thinking of that before you ask next question, I think it would be such a great challenge for our next set of client meetings to ask everyone to start by just breathing first and seeing if we have a different um, meeting. People are, are kind of just calming everyone and then we start hmm. there. I don't know. You can call it the tish, tish I, challenge. I thought for sure where you were going was you were going to ask me to start cigarette smoking. <laughs> no way. No, no, no. It's not good for your health. No, the, starting the meeting and we all have a deep breath. Because I feel like what you're saying, Ben, is that's one way we can incorporate that right into our practice and help our clients make better financial decisions when we are talking with them because maybe you hear this, but sometimes I feel like when they're getting ready to talk to us, their financial advisors, maybe they're stressed before that call because it's a big meeting. It's like going, I don't know. I've heard some people say it's like going to the dentist. It could be painful because they don't know what's going on. And so they don't understand. And then this is when they get their update. And then this can maybe just help calm them. I don't know. At, do I love think? it, Tish. Here's, here's what the research shows. If you attach a heart rate monitor to a client, they leave their house, they go to meet their financial advisor, financial professional, they meet and then they go home. When is their heart rate the highest, the most elevated? Right it's before. highest just as Prior. they're about to meet their financial advisor, yeah. just as they're about to shake their hand. Because there's a concern, there's a fear, there might be bad news, this might yeah. be um, difficult to kind of stomach and so forth. So anything you can do as a financial professional to lower that heart rate is huge. So your point, Tish, is spot on. The other piece that's important to remember is, you know, when we hear about music or songs that say things like two hearts beat as one, oh. it's actually true. So people tend to sync their heart rate with that person they're spending time with, talking with, and so forth. If a financial professional has an elevated heart rate, it's likely the client will sense that and equally have a slightly elevated heart rate out of fear and concern. Should I be worried about something and so forth? So if the financial professional has a little bit more of a lower resting heart rate in the moment, seems to be less anxious, then basically unconsciously the client will say to themselves, hey, I don't have as much to be worried about and thus a lower heart rate. That's a great tip. I love yeah. that. Thanks, Ben. I, I do want to get and tie it more into investors and, and uh, the emotional um, um, curve that they go through. But before we get there, just so I understand, the limbic and the neocortex 
So that's you're saying, Ben, it's not a voluntary choice one makes. Like I'm operating out of this side, and I'm operating out of that side. I'm 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 digest. I'm repeating what I'm dige, uh, digested. There are exercises that can help move you from one side to another. But I mean, if you're if you're faced with a, a bear in front of you, you're probably in limbic, right? And you're going to run. It's not something you're going to process and think about. Am, am I on track? You're nailing it, Bart. Exactly right. We all tend to have habit, cognitive habits, how we respond to different situations. Okay. And many of them are evolutionary based. Your point of bear, we're going to react yeah. limbically, which is positive and good. To, it, we don't want to react neocortex wise when we see a bear and think to ourselves, <laughs> oh, interesting. It's running towards me. I wonder how fast <laughs> I'm right? gone. Not that helpful. Okay. But also, we have biases cognitively towards other things. For example, someone may have had a bad experience with someone named Ben in their life. Okay, mm. whatever it may be. So they see Ben's name pop up or they meet someone named Ben. They might initially have a limbic reaction towards, ah, I don't like this person, brings up bad memories of someone who was a Ben that I dealt with in the past. So we all have these biases and it's important for us to be aware where that might trigger us. So we're gonna mm. probably react limbically towards that person with a Ben, but that's where the self-talk, the AAA is really important to say, okay, I choose not to stay in the limbic when I'm thinking about Ben or when I'm thinking about making a financial decision. I'm going to move myself into the neocortex to be more evaluative. Yeah. Love that. So, you know, over the years, one thing that I've picked up both from experience and from, you know, research going down this path is the, the, the average investor, almost all investors, the amount of, um, of emotional um, exuberance from gain pales to the amount of of um pain they feel from losses yeah you show a client a 10 percent loss they're you know they're it hurts you show them a 10 percent let's use 20 a 20 percent gain clients for the most part are like hey that's pretty great you know yeah. like, this is a good year you show a 20 percent loss that's a whole different story so um not that this is what the show about but we've we've kind of designed our um allocation about hey we're defensive, right? We're going to make gains and we can make gains, but we're really about not losing. But how can we tie that into- In general, um, compliance yeah. in general, in general. Yeah, no, exactly. And look, we are cognitively wired to limit losses, right? Because the loss is a bigger threat to our survival. The success, the 20% gain, that's great, but it's positive, but that's not a threat to our survival. So. As a result, as humans, it's so important for us to really, and as financial professionals, as investors, I like to say, attack the fear, address the fear, engage the fear, confront the fear. In other words, we've got to really address through what I think, what I call empathy around investing. So there's three A's of empathy. You see there's kind of a pattern here to keep it simple for myself. Three A's of empathy, you gotta attack the fear. So first, you got to ask and address the fear. Hey, uh, Mrs. Investor, what are some of the things that keep you up at night? What's some of the, as you're seeing some volatility in the market, what are some of your concerns? Attack it, address it. Yeah. Second A is affirm. You've got to affirm they have a valid concern. They have a right to feel concerned about that, a right to feel anxious around that. They are feeling how they're feeling. You're, gonna, you're not going to change that in the moment. So affirm how they're feeling. Hey, I completely understand it. You're not alone. Hey, you know what? I even have concerns around some of the things you're sharing. And the third A, action plan. Action plan. 
you can't action plan and provide a course forward or, or talk about how we're going to lessen your risk or mitigate the risk without first asking and affirming that fear and then move into action plan. And what the research shows is people who have concerns want to be affirmed, but then they also want something, some feel is how they can pull a lever or push a button and make a little bit of difference. And by a financial professional providing an action plan, you're doing just that. I love that. Yeah, that's great. You know, you know, it occurs to me that as we speak here today, then, you know, we've had some market volatility in this year of 2022. Um, but the investor emotions that Tish and I deal with over the years, it's every day. And yeah. as an example, you're probably familiar over the years, Ben, of the investor emotional sign curve, right? On the one extreme when the market's doing amazing and then they're, they're in the exuberance stage. Yep. And, you know, we have had clients, you know, reach out you know what, we need to be more aggressive. We need to buy, you know, more equities. So, and as we all know, that's the, you know, that's kind of the peak. And then this, the stages change as the, as the market goes down. Tish and I had a whole podcast on that. Now we're clearly somewhere, you know, on the bottom rung. We don't know if we're at the bottom, but it's emotions the, all the way up, all the way down, all the way up, all the way down. Yeah. And, um, you know, what Tish and I really work really hard at is is dealing with those emotions all the time trying to keep them at bay when yeah. when they're asking to be more aggressive hey let's focus on what's really important to you tish is amazing at like pull up the financial plan this is what your family index is redirect to meet plan. your your goals and objectives and now that the market is not at its greatest point you know clients some clients have been a little you know uh, concerned this bring the plan look you're still on track so um, it's been a challenge, but, but, but a worthy one. Bart, I want to, but wait, if I'm, Ben, before you say anything, Bart, I want to say is what you just described is really his last three A's and empathy, what we're doing. Like we address their fears. We are very, we send emails out communications. We talk to our clients frequently just in general and in addressing that one, the first question out of all of our meetings is what's going on. And we just stop talking and we listen to what they have to say. And before we go into any of the numbers or anything, we ask, you know, them those questions. So Bart, I think that you're, you're right on track. And sometimes we shift our entire meeting to address those needs and validate it, right? Validate it. We're not making, justifying it, validating it. And like you said, we redirect the plan and saying, okay, what is important to you and pushing them directly, directing them to that plan that was important to them. And so I think what you just said, Bart, is really what Ben is saying. If I'm hearing it correctly, like we're 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 kind of we're doing that now, yep. right? Doesn't that describe yeah. that? I think you guys are, are spot yeah. on. And let yeah. me add an additional suggestion that that could help. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, you all, as all financial professionals, track performance, right? Track investment performance, oh, yeah. and and you evaluate that, and we discuss it and keep it updated as as a client uh, uh -huh. would with you. Let me make a suggestion, the additional tracker that you would have, which is emotional output of the client. Uh -huh. In other words, let's just track how Ben emotionally is during the course of the year. And in your meeting notes, track that. Okay, January, good call with Ben. Here's where we covered. Here's where the market was. Here's how Ben was feeling. Here's what he was saying. And let's just say he was exuberant at the time. 
Ben's very excited, really wanting to, to kind of do more and be more aggressive. We agreed that kind of, well, let's, let's kind of still be rational and reasonable here. And this is what we agreed on. Okay. Next three months later, here's where their market was. There was some correction. Um, ben, Ben was kind of middle, you know, feeling basically calm, but not too excited. So that way you can, at the year end, you can say, Hey Ben, let's just go through not only performance, but just kind of how you were feeling emotionally and how we together collectively responded to that emotion and tried to make good decisions collectively for you. And what you can identify for Ben is some habits of emotion so that should Ben be exuberant again, you can say, Hey Ben, you remember a year ago when we had some really good market movement and so forth, you're feeling this way. Here's the decision we've made. Here's how that kind of turned out from a market standpoint, tend to work out really well. That then gives me a chance to reflect back and gives you greater kind of power to make sure that given Ben's ups and downs, he's still making good decisions. I love that. I love yeah, that. That's great. I've got a note. Tish will definitely, let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I'll tell you why I'm laughing, but I want to, let's, let's um, kind of move towards your military background and how that, you know, your experience there. And I'm, I was going to save this for the end. It just kind of dawned on me from your, you know, three major backgrounds, leadership training, military training, and then a minister. So if leadership training doesn't work or needs <laughs> some help, we've got the military and we'll use the more tactical. And if all else fails, we'll just pray at the end. And we <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got it all I covered, like Ben. It. I got it. like it. You're covering everything. Three, three prime approach. It doesn't hurt to start praying at the beginning to just hope yeah. <laughs> before you even use any of hope the tools. for the best. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Um, I think everyone, myself included, is, is intrigued when you hear military and 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 uh, which is not espionage. What did you say you were? Um, intelligence. Intelligence. Yep. You know, that's all my favorite kind of shows like espionage and all that. So um, a story or two would be great. And if there's any relation to our topic, that's even better. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, being in the Navy uh, periodically, I get to interact with our special operators who are in the Navy or the Navy SEALs, just incredible incredible folks um through many of the military special operating the training they go through so for navy seals at buds basic underwater demolition school one of the things that all of these trainings are looking to do is to basically weed out people who get stuck in their limbic and cannot shift into the neocortex oh interesting the top performing emotions for the three of us are the same top performing emotions for Navy SEALs, special operators, athletes, CEOs, you name it. In other words, the, the emotions from which we make the best decisions are all the same. You actually do not want a Navy SEAL downrange in the middle of a firefight or some very difficult operation feeling angry, limbic emotion, <laughs> trying to get even with someone. <laughs> you want them in a steady state you actually want them feeling some degree of happiness confidence gratitude those are the top performing emotions happiness confidence gratitude so you want someone when things go wrong they don't all of a sudden get incredibly angry distraught uh, reactive but they have a steady state the same is true for you and me in personal relationships 
in making financial decisions, the steady state of general happiness, some degree of gratitude for who you are, what you're doing, and some degree of confidence is what leads to the greatest performance. So the more we can try to, through self-talk, through AAA of empathy, through AAA of, of self-talk kind of, and through four by four by four breathwork, operate in those emotions, the better performing we'll be. Okay, Ben, I'm gonna stop you because what you just said was a golden nugget that everyone, anyone can benefit from hearing. So would you mind just saying that again and just a little bit slower and so that way we all hear this amazing tip? Sure, in terms of the emotional states, Tish, is that what was- Yeah, well, the last bit, the last part of being able to make a better decision-making and what state of mind you need to be and what are the three things you need to be able to, what are the things, basically, how do you get yourself into that state of mind? You are basically giving us that tip is what I heard. Yeah, so you ultimately want to be in a, an emotional state of mind which has some degree of happiness yep. or some degree of gratitude, some mm -hmm. degree of confidence. Um, how you get there is by doing the things we've been talking about, four by four by four, triple A of self-talk, triple A of empathy. And let me just add a couple others that lead to those emotional states and really help operating all within the neocortex exercise you don't have to train for a marathon or you know uh climb hike mountains like bar does walking <laughs> walking or tries to do <laughs> or tries to do but, but has done it well um walking 20 minutes three times a week 20 minutes three times a week have a walking meeting with your staff member yeah or yeah. your client or your I loved one Okay, walking meetings. This has a significant neocortex functioning. You make better decisions. Another piece, eating and diet. I'm not gonna even talk about the physical benefits. I'm just gonna talk about the cognitive benefits. Mm. Having healthy diets, eating the foods we all know are the right foods to eat, <clears throat> leads yeah. to greater neocortex functioning. And the last piece um, I'll, I'll share in terms of operating more in the neocortex is be aware of the triggers that bring you into the limbic. For example, waiting in lines is not a good experience for me. I tend to start getting limbic and anxious and want to get moved forward. And I'm never going to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take, I got to do a lot of deep breathing when I go to Disney. Um, uh, so that's a trigger for Great me. Tip. For, yeah. for someone else, it might be getting hangry, right? Can be a limbic <laughs> trigger. Right. So be aware the snacks and so forth. So all those pieces keep us more in the neocortex. Hey, um, because so I, am a, I am a student of health and fitness. Um, I'm going to take a guess on the food that that would be the biggest trigger on negatively. Is it sugar or, or exactly? Okay. Sugar, exactly. Sugar yeah. is this, you know, spike in blood sugar and all the research shows you want to really try to lessen the, the, the sugar spikes in your blood. And so those, and Bart, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, what is it? Is it high, low glycemic foods, right? Yes. Low glycemic foods. Is what you want. Keep that yeah. blood sugar lower <clears throat> right. from up and down. Because when you have these spikes, it has a more deleterious impact yeah. on, your, on your overall health. Yeah. So low glycemic is things like those complex carbs, those rice, those grains, quinoa, and stuff Sweet like that. Sweet potatoes, yeah. Sweet potatoes. Um, and, um, and I don't know your age. I don't know if this is even possible. Did you ever run into David Goggins in your, in your training? <laughs> So know the name, but no, never yeah. like don't don't know him. Okay. Right. Can can I ask something totally um, 
off the certain topic, but we talked about in our pre-call and I really want to just ask. <laughs> sure. Okay. What do I need to do? What's the tip that I need to do that I can encourage and tell my husband to like to do the dishes? Oh, we, we kind of, you held we on to that? <laughs> That's your thing you hold on to? Yes. I've been waiting. Love I mean, it, I it. don't mind doing the dishes, but <laughs> just so, say. Yes, exactly. So um, you talk to my wife. Obviously, she's successfully trained me to some degree uh, <laughs> to do the dishes. So one of the big things is feedback. We've got to do as a human species, as coworkers, as significant others, We've got to do a better job of giving each other feedback, especially, and I'll just harp on for the moment, positive feedback. Tell that person specifically when they do something right, like that one time they do the dishes, what the positive impact that is. So, hey, significant other, really appreciate you doing the dishes tonight. By doing that, it allowed me to relax at the end of the day, tough day, put my feet up for a moment, um, kind of be present with you when you were done and wrap up a couple of other things. Be very specific about what people around you do well. They're more likely to do it again. I always come back to, we have a little rescue dog named Ginger. I'm trying to train her. When I say Ginger down and she lies down, what do I do? I give her a treat. She's more likely to do it again. And it builds the working trust between individuals. Do the same with our significant others, our team members. Catch them doing things right. Yes, we need to catch them doing things wrong and give them corrective feedback. Additionally, we need to catch them doing things right and affirm the positive more often. Are you talking about your dog or your spouse on that? No, we, we talked about what cognitive decisions, how we can help encourage wait, making wait. better decisions. And he used the dog as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he used my husband. I, That's right. I, I was he actually going to say, you, are you actually saying that you can point out to your spouse like, hey, like something that needs to be corrected? That's at, at your own be, risk. At your own okay, risk. that makes more part. sense. Okay, <laughs> that makes more sense. Tread lightly there, Bert. Tread lightly. <laughs> at your own risk. But here, I'll, I'll say this, though, and I'll say absolutely, right? In, in, in relationships, we should always be giving feedback back and forth. And here's what I'd say around that is, um, you know, the opportunity to give each other feedback is one of the greatest gifts you can give each other. For people that we really care about, I call it spinach in the teeth scenario. If you've got oh. spinach in the teeth, right? You want someone to tell you, hey, you've got spinach in the teeth. Like, let yeah. me give you a little heads up. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give that person so they don't feel embarrassed at that cocktail reception or whatever it might be. The same is true for our significant others, for our coworkers, for clients we care about. The best thing we can do is give them the metaphor- metaphorical spinach in the teeth feedback. Hey, here's something I think could really help you. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna use that one. Tish, you're gonna hear that one from me a lot. I heard it, I heard it. <laughs> You're, you're setting up um, psychological warfare right now, Ben. You have no idea. So, so Ben, that in the next few days, I'm going to say, hey, Tish, let's go for a walk. We're going to have a yeah. meeting. And by the way, you got a little spinach in your teeth. And let me put And then I'm going to compliment on how, how he's doing so well walking with right. his knee after yeah. his surgery. You see how this you're- is going to go? You're creating a feedback-rich culture there. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. one of the another way to look, think about this feedback-rich culture. Take take your favorite NFL team. An NFL team dresses out 46 players on game day. 46 players wear the jersey. How many coaches does the average NFL team have? How many coaches? Three. No, at least twenty to twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah. No, twenty no coaches. 
why so many coaches? Why so? Why do they spend millions of dollars for nutritionists, psychologists, line coach, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, defense? Why? Because the best organizations invest in coaching. So who are you getting coaching from? How are you investing in coaching? Our peers, our financial advisors have amazing insights into us. So you have the role of a coach. You are yeah. a coach. You can give the gift of coaching to so many we people. We're so yes, you're a coach. So give that gift, share that feedback. You can change lives. I love that's that. awesome. That's a great, you know, sounds, that was a great closing line, but we're, we are close to the end. And, and with that, uh, let's try to, let's wrap, put a bow on this with everything we've talked about, try to connect it. And, you know, I usually ask, you know, a closing statement, like what's your ultimate lesson learned, but I'd like to maybe variate that a little bit. Um, and let's use that towards what closing words would you use for our listeners? A lot of them investors to allow them to use the other, the um, neocortex side of their brain, think, you know, well through this whole process. Sorry, that was long. Yeah. So number one, let me tell you, love yourself, love yourself. And, and what I mean by that is really celebrate and embrace who you are and how your reactions come up. Be aware. Oh, okay. That really triggers me. I go to the limbic there. That's all good. That's fine. You don't yeah. need to beat yourself up for that. The opportunity is okay. Make the choice. Do I want to stay in the limbic or do I want to move over to the neocortex through breath work, through AAA, thinking through things differently, self-talk, a little bit of adjustment there? And do I want to grow that muscle to transition over there kind of quickly? So that's the amazing opportunity. And also realize that when you're interacting with someone that might be more in their limbic, um, the worst thing you can do is react limbically as well. So um, two people yeah. in their limbic are not going to solve the problems <laughs> yeah. of the world. So yeah. when you hear someone that's upset and angry and frustrated, the greatest gift you can do there is listen to them, hear them out. Remember AAA of empathy, validate how they're feeling, affirm how they're feeling, and then action plan. Give them some options and tools, how you could help them or how you could help resolve yeah. the issue they're facing. That's one of the greatest gifts I think you can give people. That's amazing. Hey, Ben, how can people reach you if you're if you want to be reached. Yeah, please reach me anytime. You can go on Twitter, bensorensen.com, or sorry, that's my website, bensorensen.com, um, Ben Sorensen Consulting. You can Google that. I'm on Twitter, Ben Sorensen. Um, I'll give you my cell phone too. Feel free to text me, call me, 954-802-3311, 954-802-3311. And just so everyone's listening, we went to um, Schwab Impact and that's where we met you and you were amazing speaker. And we actually reached out and said, we want more. You were great. And what you had to share was just really what I feel like a lot of times what people need and they, in executive coaches, they're looking for this stuff. How can we improve what we're doing the decision-making? And so we can be better at what we do each and every day. So, you know, um, everything you shared on this, this podcast has been amazing. And so if you're not going to listen to this, I feel like people are missing out. This is going to be one of the best shows of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. Thank you very kind. Ben, Thanks for having me. Sure. Thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great right. one. You too. Thanks everyone who has uh, tuned in. We look forward to being in the studio next week. Cheers. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting podcast.bartzanbergen.com. 
The Zernbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzernbergen.com. The contents of this podcast episode do not constitute an offer of securities or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities and may not be relied upon in making an investment decision related to any investment offering Access Wealth Management LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Access does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. Opinions are our current opinions and are subject to change without notice. Prices, quotes, rates are subject to change without notice. Generally, investments are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed and may lose value.